Flanked by policymakers, Governor Abbott leads two high-profile visits to Eagle Pass and promises to send more troops to the border. We are dealing with the biggest border crisis since America had borders. But some who live along the border are pushing back. I really don't like this political theater that is using my hometown for its own purposes. The community responds amid the political fight over border policy. Documents reveal a multi-million dollar bill to bust migrants out of Texas. Who's paying for it? And how does the cost compare to keeping migrants in the Lone Star State? Bullying in school. It's a big concern for many Texas parents, and some state lawmakers are paying attention. What are we doing as a state to focus on creating a safe environment? What does a safe environment mean? Our investigation looks closer at concerns from parents and why there's little state oversight when it comes to how schools handle discipline. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Governor Greg Abbott led two high-profile delegations to Eagle Pass in the past week. Last Sunday, he welcomed 14 governors from around the nation to the border city. At a news conference streamed live around the country, Abbott reiterated his belief that the state has both the right and responsibility to protect its borders. He vowed to continue fighting the federal government over that authority. Abbott also promised to send more National Guard troops to prevent illegal border crossings. On Thursday, the governor was back in Eagle Pass, this time with a delegation of state representatives. Most of the lawmakers represent districts far from South Texas, but they say the importance of stopping illegal immigration goes far beyond the border. This is the number one issue, not just to my district, not just to this state, but to Americans across the country. And so to every American out there, Texas has your back. Governor Abbott has your back. Governor Abbott did not announce new border policy plans at Thursday's event, but he did give credit to the lawmakers with him for supporting the funding that makes Operation Lone Star possible. The border visits came on the same week as bipartisan immigration legislation failed on Capitol Hill. That failure is bringing frustration for some locals and leaders in Eagle Pass. They say national leaders portray their community as a place in crisis while failing to find solutions. Orion Chandler looks at the reality on the ground amid the political battles. These are the scenes driving the national narrative around Eagle Pass. But some of the locals in the town of just 30,000 say it usually looks more like this. Our backyard is just being used as a political prop. Many of them expect that there's just a lot of chaos going down here in Eagle Pass, that there's a lot of uncertainty that we're being overrun by migrants and that's not the case at all. Eagle Pass native Eddie Morales represents almost 800 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border. He pressed Speaker Johnson on Monday to pass the Senate's border security bill, writing, our communities are looking to see if we are left out to dry. That bill reached a dead end on Tuesday. It's very disappointing. Um, we need a fix and we needed it yesterday. Locals worry. Eagle Pass has seen more press conferences than policy fixes. Speaker Johnson and Governor Abbott have hosted recent media appearances in the same park now closed to the public. I really don't like this political theater that is using my hometown for its own purposes. The Senate bill would have provided billions to speed up asylum processing and help local communities like Eagle Pass better handle migrants. 
With no progress in sight, residents are wary that the politics are overshadowing the reality in their hometown. I'd like to have our park back and I'd like to have our way of life back. Ryan joins us now. Now, Governor Abbott was in Eagle Pass twice in the last week, hosting different groups of lawmakers. What did we learn from those visits? Right, so he brought a big group of governors from Republican states all across the country. Last Sunday, he brought a big group of state lawmakers down to Eagle Pass for another press conference on Thursday. Because if you're a Republican anywhere in the country running for election this year, you want to be seen on the border. It's the top issue for Republican voters, and Texas owns this issue. So he's getting a lot of political capital out of this and garnering support for Texas against the federal government and all the ongoing lawsuits that they have against each other. You see, though, if you've watched one of these press conferences, you've, you've seen them all. He reiterates his support for Operation Lone Star. He justifies their presence in Shelby Park. And, of course, he attacks the Biden administration's handling of immigration every chance he gets. We didn't see a whole lot of news this week. He did say he is going to be putting more troops, more National Guard troops on the border, even more so uh, than he has now in Eagle Pass. Other than that, the details are, are very short. But that, that's really the core of the concerns that we've heard from Eagle Pass residents. They say that Governor Abbott has made their park that used to be public and you know a, a fun place to hang out on a Sunday, now a, a campaign stop for governors from out of state to visit on a Sunday. So they are concerned that, that they are coming down and not meeting with constituents or, or having a policy-oriented visit, but, but just coming for the media appearance and quickly leaving. Yeah, well, the politics is one thing. The policy is another. What kind of tangible impact are Texas enforcement efforts having on border crossings? So to be sure, Texas has seen a dramatic decrease in border crossings on most of the sectors that Customs and Border Protection uh, patrols. Governor Abbott argued on Thursday that that's because of Operation Lone Star. Migrants don't want to come here, so they're going to other places. And, and to be sure, Arizona and California have seen huge spikes in crossings. The Tucson sector saw almost three times as many migrants in the last three months compared to the same uh, period, last three months of 2023, that is, compared to the same period in 2022. San Diego saw a spike of 78%. El Paso, meanwhile, is down 51%. Laredo down 42%, the RGV down 18%. So th those are all good numbers for Texas. Interestingly though, the numbers in Eagle Pass, the Del Rio sector, rose by 7%. So it's hard to attribute this to Operation Lone Star or not because the center of that operation is the only one that saw an increase in activity. All right, Ryan, a lot to keep up with. A lot to keep, a lot to unpack. Thank you very much. Busing migrants out of Texas, we dug up public records revealing the multi-million dollar costs, who's paying and who's getting the money. Bullying in school is a big concern for many parents, why there's little state oversight of discipline in these cases. The state's top election official pushes back on fears of fraud. I am 100% confident these elections are gonna be run accurate, they're going to be fair. Her message to voters amid questions about election integrity. Governor Greg Abbott continues to tout his migrant busing initiative. Now we're learning more about how much it costs the state. 
Since it started, Texas has paid more than $120 million to send migrants on buses to D.C., New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Denver. Our Capitol correspondent, Monica Madden, got hold of the payment records and breaks down the numbers. Nearly two years of busing migrants out of state has cost Texas more than $124 million. As of January 10th, Texas has bussed out more than 100,000 migrants, equating to about a $1,200 ticket per migrant. Sanctuary cities that have received migrants from Texas have said it's more than they can manage. Looking for direction, but also wanting to find ways in which we can better coordinate as an entire region. Um, how to deal with this uh, migrant crisis, which is obviously an international crisis that requires federal intervention. Last month, New York City even sued the bus companies working with Texas. But we cannot bear the course of reckless political ploys from the state of Texas alone. We are suing to recoup approximately $700 million already spent to care for migrants bused here in the last two years by the state of Texas. The governor defends the practice as a measure to ease the burden on Texas. What you are seeing and witnessing in the state is a tiny fraction of what is happening every single day in the state of Texas. Monica joins us now. We've had a lot of people reach out to us about this story, and the most common question is how the cost to bus migrants compares to the cost to keep them in Texas. What do we know about those comparisons? Josh, it's been something we've been digging into and have struggled to find an answer for. So this is gonna be part of our ongoing coverage of this story. The difficulties that I ran into is there's not any entity or person who knows exactly what the cost is you know, to have these undocumented migrants in the country. It all sort of depends. Where are they going? Are they being taken care of by NGOs? Is it the federal government's responsibility? Is it Texas? It's a very nuanced topic. But just for comparison, obviously the new, the city of New York has bared a brunt of this issue from the migrants that have um, been going to the city, not just on buses by Texas, but also from those nonprofits and the federal government. And we know the city of New York is suing these busing companies that are involved in the Texas transportation, wind transportation specifically, and they're asking for some $700 million in damages. The city says that's how much it has cost for them to house the migrants and take care of them. So that's a rough comparison, but again, it's hard to exactly determine cost per migrant exactly. Certainly, and we do know the busing cost is a lot more than people expected, roughly $1,200 per migrant. What's the main factor for that expense and where's the money going? Going. I'm still waiting for more records from the state to give us a better idea of the breakdown of the invoices. But for perspective, I did request the same information back in September of 2022, right after this program started. And I did get a full invoice of a breakdown from Wind Transportation, which is one of the leading companies involved in this initiative. And the biggest cost here, Josh, it wasn't for the bus drivers, it wasn't for the gas, but it was actually for security. And at the time, a spokesperson with the Texas Division of Emergency Management, which has been uh, handling all of this said that they felt though as though security was a necessary cost to pay for given that the migrants and the people involved from the state in this could easily be targets um, by someone with bad intentions. All right. Well, when this program was first announced, Governor Abbott launched a donation portal to fundraise for the buses. How is that fundraising 
going? Well, initially when he started it, it had a pretty big boost. About $300,000 was raised, and that's what we reported back in 2022. Since then, it hasn't uh, generated much more revenue, Josh. Their last At the last check, it was last updated, the website, um, in December of 2023, and it had raised about $460,000 for this busing initiative. So taxpayers have been paying for about 99.6% of all of the busing costs. All right. Well, we know you will stay on top of this story. Thanks, Monica. Thank you. A high school football player allergic to peanuts says his teammates intentionally put peanuts in his locker. His mother says the punishment surprised her. Just absolute disappointment. I, I kind of, my heart kind of sank at that point. Why the school district said this is not bullying and what our investigators uncovered about state oversight in cases like this. Texas lawmakers made big changes in response to fears of voter fraud. How the new laws could affect you when you go to vote. Protecting students. A mother is pushing for further punishment after football players put peanuts in her son's locker. This just days after he told them about his potentially lethal food allergy. That story and dozens of other tips with bullying concerns from viewers in recent months led investigator Kelly Wiley to learn there's little state oversight of school district discipline. Shauna Manon. Fueled by frustration, mother of three Shauna Manon stepped in front of the Lake Travis ISD school board in November. I want to start off by saying we're huge supporters of the athletic programs at Lake, Lake Travis High School. Weeks before, her son, a sophomore varsity football player who's allergic to peanuts, found his locker filled with them just before the season opener game. As he grabbed the uniform, peanuts fell out everywhere. He noticed hives started to develop on his arm almost immediately. The incident unfolded just a day after she says her son's teammates questioned him. Asking about his allergy to peanuts and asked if it could kill him, if it were to touch him, or would it kill him if they put them in his cleats or in his uniform. He said yes, it absolutely could. Manon says she didn't speak to the school board to ridicule the boys responsible. Instead, to address the way school leaders dealt with the incident. These boys were handed minimal consequences for their actions. Manon says the district allowed the athletic director and head football coach, not administrators, to suspend the boys from a few games. When we asked Lake Travis ISD why, it said the district's code of conduct allowed administrators and coaches to work together to determine discipline. Just absolute disappointment. I, I kind of, my heart kind of sank at that point because in their policy clearly states that um, when there's a school issue, the school handles it, and the secondary discipline comes from the extracurricular activities. Despite weeks of conversations between KXAN and district officials, Lake Travis ISD did not agree to an on-camera interview, but confirmed its police department did not press criminal charges, and the department opened a bullying investigation only after Manon went to the school board. And it was like one thing after another. Um, I mean, someone put a peanut butter granola bar in his backpack while he was in the locker room. And um, really, we never figured out who that was. Really? Yeah. I mean, just it's just every day was something. Then the school district concluded its investigation, finding what happened to man and son was not bullying. According to the district, it didn't fit the legal definition. 
In the Texas Education Code, bullying is defined as an act or pattern of acts that physically harms a student or materially and substantially disrupts the educational process. I call it bullying. I don't know what else to call it. Okay, first of all, if it's not bullying, then what is it? For years, State Senator Jose Menendez has successfully passed legislation giving districts more power to handle bullying in schools. But Menendez says he still hears concern from parents. They feel that the schools aren't taking it very seriously, that, that not enough is happening, that maybe they report it, maybe the, the report gets created, but they don't see the discipline some, in some cases. KXAN found since 2021, the Texas Education Agency has received more than 500 complaints of bullying in Texas school districts. But the TEA sent the majority of those back to local school districts for the grievance process to resolve. Data shows at least 13 resulted in the state ordering districts to make changes. In a statement, the Texas Education Agency said it does not guide districts on how to handle discipline regarding bullying. No state law gives TEA that authority. We're in that t period of time where uh, we need to turn in a potential interim request to the government for interim studies. I mean, obviously, I would like to see, you know, what are, thanks to this and others, what are we doing as a state to focus on creating a safe environment? What does a safe environment mean? Manning has not filed a complaint with the state yet. First, she's filed a grievance with the district. She and her attorney argued the district did not follow its own policy when it allowed the athletic director to determine punishment. I'm hopeful right now. I feel like I'm really hopeful that they're going to do the right thing. Across the country, some states go beyond what Texas has implemented to prevent bullying. Several acknowledge bullying can include, but it's not limited to, acts based on characteristics, race and sexuality, for example. Texas law does not specify protected groups. Several states also require school districts to review their bullying policies on a cycle. New Jersey has one of the strongest bullying laws in the country. It requires school districts to review their policies annually with experts. Texas does not. But when we presented Senator Menendez with those options, he said he does like that idea of a regular review and could include it in his request for the legislature to study ahead of next session. Kelly Wiley, State of Texas. Thanks, Kelly. You can find more from our report on protecting students right now on our website. We have links to the legislation that gives Texas school districts more power to investigate bullying, plus data showing how TEA handles complaints. That's online now in this week's State of Texas story. Fighting fears of voter fraud. Texas lawmakers made big changes last session. We're going to make sure that's our job, to make sure that every vote counts and that there are no shenanigans. How the new laws could affect your experience at the polls. Early voting for the March primary starts on February 20th. It comes after lawmakers made changes last year to fight voter fraud. But how will those changes affect your experience at the polls? Our Ryan Chandler spoke one-on-one -on -one with the Texas Secretary of State to find out. I am 100% confident these elections are going to be run accurate, they're going to be fair. Texas's top election official pushing back on fears of fraud. I like to rise above that noise and show voters what we're doing to make sure that we're going to protect 
their vote. Some, like Attorney General Ken Paxton, insist it's a rampant issue. Since 2005, Texas has convicted 155 people for voter fraud. In the same period, voters cast 110 million ballots. That's just over one in a million. Still, Texas implemented a number of new laws last year to prevent fraud. Voting illegally is now a felony, increasing the penalty from a misdemeanor and subjecting violators to up to 20 years in prison. And the state eliminated the elections administrator in our largest county, citing delays and errors in administering past elections in Harris County. We're going to make sure that's our job, to make sure that every vote counts and that there are no shenanigans. Other new laws could affect some voters' experience at the polls. Voters unable to walk can now skip the line or vote from their cars in reserved parking spaces. Nelson encouraging every Texan to get out and vote. Turn off the internet, think back to your history classes, think how precious that right to vote is and how many people fought for this country to make sure that we have those rights ensured. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. Good advice from the Secretary of State. Early voting for the March primary starts on February 20th. There's a lot at stake, but Texans tend to have low voter turnout for these elections. In the last presidential primary year, just 12% of Republicans and 13% of Democrats cast ballots. And in the 2022 primaries, 9% of eligible Republican voters turned out and only 5% of Democrats. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle, and we'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.